Amen. Well, uh, today we are going to close out our series on the afterlife. Now, uh, this hasn't been an easy, this has not been a, a shouting, jumping. Nobody's jumped up, ran around the church, hollered, shouted, amen. Uh, it, it's kind of hard uh, when you talk about death and dying and heaven and hell. And uh, no one wants to think about it or talk about it. But it's something that I pray today you are ready for what's next. It's appointed unto man once to die. Okay? You don't want to die the second time. Somebody say, what? Well, Revelation says... After you die, you stand before God, give an account for your life. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, He'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And cast you into outer darkness, into tormenting flames, into hell, which is the second death, the Bible says. So, we don't want to be part of that death. But as believers, as Christians, those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, we may die once, but then we have eternal life with Jesus Christ. Heaven is our destiny. Heaven is an amazing place. And we don't, we don't have all the, the answers. We don't know everything. We have little glimpses of hell. We have little glimpses of heaven. But I tell you, it, it, heaven, uh, if Jesus was there and it was a log cabin with, with, with a wood-burning stove in the corner, would be okay. But. We know there are streets of gold and gates of pearls and walls of death. The Bible describes it all. The new city and the new Jerusalem. And amen. There, there, it's gonna, we don't understand it all. It's going to be amazing. We're not going to be little fat cherubs with little harps floating on clouds. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to be spirit beings. I mean, we have a jo- we're going to have jobs to do. We're going to I mean, have an eternity to worship, to be with Jesus. Heaven's going to be Wonderful. So we talked about the reality of heaven, the reality of hell. We talked about dying. Uh, we, we saw the, the difference with Lazarus and the, the, the rich man uh, who, who had different perspectives and views. Uh, but today, we want to close out this series. I want to try to just answer a few. There's so many, many questions people have about the afterlife and about this and that, and I can't answer them all. And you may not like or agree uh, with the answers I give today. And uh, if you do not like uh, any of the answers that I give today, be sure to email uh, Pastor Marcelo De Campos. At <laughs> He'll be glad to answer all your questions. No. Uh, if you don't agree, just... Don't agree. Uh, I can tell you this. I'm not God. And neither are you. And we don't know everything. And so if I'm wrong, when we stand before God, we'll find out. But I'm, I'd much rather err on the side of caution. I'd much rather get to heaven and Him say, you know what? You didn't really have to do all that. But because you did, I'm going to reward you anyway. Rather than get there and he go, no, you had to do that and you didn't. And so now there's punishment. So, uh, you know what? We, we, we just want to be on answer on the side of caution. So, you know, there, there, let me just tell you this. There was a man who died and he went to heaven. St. Peter asked him, you know, you've heard all these, these jokes, you know, they, about getting at the gate. And they say, why should I let you in? And so this man said, well, because uh, I, I, I've tried to help people. I, I've been very honorable and, and I've been brave. And I've stood up uh, against injustice. And St. Peter said, well, can you give me an example? And say, the man said, Sure. He said, once I was on a, at a roadside diner, a group of hell's angels rode in and uh, they were bothering this little old lady. 
They had knives and guns and they were scaring everyone in the place. And so I stepped up to the leader and I grabbed him and spun him around. And I said, hey, pick on somebody your own size. Leave her alone. And while you're at it, why don't you and your stinky, filthy friends get on your bikes and get out of here? St. Peter said, wow, you are brave. He's like, man, that's, that's awesome. I'd love to see that. He's like, when was that? And the guy said, about five minutes ago. <laughs> Where's all my kids? Pre-K through fifth grade. It's kids' church time. If anybody didn't, most of them know just to go because they know I forget sometimes. So if you'd like to go to kids' church, they're, they're, they're having it. Amen. So, uh... <laughs> Uh, sometimes things don't always work out. You know, I told you earlier, I, I hope I have a good story. Uh, I, I hope when, when somebody says, well, how did you die? I hope I'm like, well, you know, I was cautious all my life. I didn't ever take any chances. And I just, uh, you know, I just was sitting on a, on, on my couch and choked on a Cheeto. I mean, you know, I mean, that's not any fun. Listen, let's live life to the fullest. Let's have fun. Let's don't be stupid. Uh, let, let's, you know, don't take unnecessary chances. But don't allow fear to stop you from living, from experiencing things, from having a good time. But uh, let's, uh, let, let's, let's get ready for eternity. Amen. So, I did a lot, a lot of questions. Uh, th- this is, uh, I think this is pretty, for me, this is about the easiest one. Uh, how... Could a loving God send people to hell? People ask that question all the time. How, how could, if God's so loving, if God's so kind, if God, how could a loving God send people to hell? Uh, here's my answer. How could people choose hell over a loving God? Matthew eleven twenty eight said that. Come to me, all that are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, Jesus has done everything. God gave his son to die on the cross for you. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He's done everything he could do for you not to go to hell. How could people choose hell over a loving God is really the question. Number two, what happens to a person who says they believe, but they live as though they don't? Does anybody know anybody like that? There, there's, there's people who say that they've made a profession of faith. They, they, they maybe even go to church. They uh, say, you know, uh, they, they've given their heart to the Lord, but their life doesn't necessarily uh, reflect it. They maybe not doing all the things that we think that they should do. They're, uh, you know, they're just not. It's sometimes it's easy to judge people, and I have to say that I just answer it like this: Samuel, uh, in second First Samuel sixteen seven, the Lord spoke to him and said, "People judge by outward appearance." But the Lord looks on the heart. Here's the deal. I don't know if they're saved or not, but God does. So it's easy for me to look at a person and say, well, you know what? I don't know. Uh, I'm, you know, their actions, they're this, they're that. But can I tell you, uh, there are those who are born again. But they're just babies in Christ. And did you know there's a lot of Christians who never progress past the infancy stage? Man, here at the Lord's house, we want to get you through infancy. We want to get you through adolescence. We want to get you through adulthood. And you know where I want to see you get? Into parenthood. What's that mean? That means you're reproducing. That means that you're taking initiative to win souls. And to nurture them through infancy, adolescence, adulthood, and to parenthood. But there are many Christians who never make it out of infancy. They get born again. They're saved. They're born. But guess what? They still poop their diaper 
and it stinks. And they, they still just drink milk. And they still cry. And they whine. And they need a lot of help. And uh, you know what? God will take care of them. He'll judge all of that. So let's be very careful. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard for me at funerals uh, because I look at their life and I talk to family. And, uh, you know, maybe their life, they, they didn't quite, they're not sure. And so I say today, uh, before we're quick to just throw them in hell, let's just put them in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, I don't know their heart. I don't know where they were at in their relationship with you and growing. I trust, I believe, uh, according to their confession or what, that they made you Lord of their life and you will deal with that. So let's, let's not be a judge in church. Amen. People fail. Why does it shock us when people sin? We sin. We're humans. We're not perfect. And I'm going to tell you something. As far as the Lord's house, when people sin, let's be the ones to rush to them, pick them up, love them, dust them off, and walk with them to restoration. Let's not be the ones to go step on them and kick them into hell. Let's love people. But... As for me, everybody say, as for me. me. Listen, live your life so there's no question. Live your life in a way that I do not have to lie at your funeral. I do not want to be up there saying, oh, this person was so loving and kind and generous. And somebody's out there going, who's he talking about? Huh? Live your life so people don't have to question were they saved or not? Were they born again or not? Listen, the Lord ought to live your life so that you are past that infancy, past that adolescent, teenage, rebellious, doing crazy stuff. Live a life that is faithful, that is even killed, that people know when they see you, when they talk to you, what they're going to get. They're going to get somebody that's loving and honorable and respectable and that if there's something to be done, you're going to do it. And if there's a choice between right and wrong, you're going to choose right. Amen? Come on, live your life in a way that, 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 that you can be honoring to God. So many people, they want to have a relationship with Jesus. But they want to keep it on the down low. How many of you, uh, how many of you young men out there would like a girlfriend? Let me see your hand. Anybody? There's not one young man in here wants a girlfriend. <laughs> okay, let me ask the ladies. How many of you young ladies would like a boyfriend? Okay, we got a few. We got a few hands. Yeah. Saw a couple married hands go up. Put your hand down. We're not. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, so, can you, young lady, let me just ask you a question. So, uh, you, you, you talk to this young man. He, he's, he's talking to you. He's flirting with you, smiling. And, uh, you know, he says, you know what? I want to be your boyfriend, but let's don't tell anybody. Let's just keep it on the down low. And, hey, when we're out in public, uh, don't, don't hold my hand. Don't put your arm around me. You know, let's social distance. And if somebody asks and says, hey, is that your boyfriend or are y'all dating? Uh, don't be offended if I say, you know, that's personal. That's just between me and them. Just let me go, go ahead, cut to the chase and just tell you, 
dump that sorry dude. If he don't love you enough to be proud of you and to hold your hand and to treat you like a queen, he's no good for you. But we treat Jesus that way all the time. I love you in private. I love you in church. But man, when I get out with my friends, let's don't act like we know each other. Let's act like we've never met. And if somebody asks if I'm a Christian, I'll just say, well, you know, that's a personal thing. Come on, treat Jesus the way you would want others to treat you. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on. Let's live our life where nobody has to wonder, are they saved? Are they a Christian? Our life exudes love for Jesus. And we just are not afraid to tell anybody about it. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Those are easy ones. This one's not very easy. If a person commits suicide, will they go to heaven? Now, I want to tell you something. You, you, you may be here today. You may be watching me online. And you're, you're struggling with thoughts. The enemy is telling you that life is not worth living. That it's hopeless. It's never going to get better. But it will. There's those who say that if, if you commit suicide, that the Bible says thou shalt not kill, and that's self-murder, so it's just a direct slide to hell. Others say that doesn't matter what you do, everything's fine. I say it boils down a personal relationship with Jesus. So let's be very clear. For the unbeliever, for someone who does not believe in Christ, does not confess Christ as their Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter how they die, whether it's natural causes, accident, or suicide, they don't go to heaven. The Bible is very clear on unbelievers. But what about a believer? What about someone who confesses Christ? What about someone who, as far as Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you've made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. We've had two p people in our church who have committed suicide, both, I believe with all of my heart, according to their life and their love, loved Jesus with all of their heart, loved the Word. And still ended up taking their life. So does God... Send that person to hell. Hardest funerals you'll ever preach. I hope I never have to preach another one. Because people have so many differing opinions. I want to come back. And I'll give you a little more circumstances in just a moment. But let's just come back. Let's just come how many knows that God is a righteous judge? And He judged everything knowing all the, all the facts. Let's just come back to earth to a natural judge who doesn't know all the facts, but tries to, to judge fairly. If a person commits a crime, and then they stand before a judge, and through... Test through circumstance, through doctors, whatever, they deem that this person 
was mentally unstable or had a mental illness or they were not in their right mind at the time they committed the crime. What is the judgment from that judge? It's not guilty. Because of insanity or because of whatever. Most suicides are due to mental illness. Whether it be depression, whether it be through medication. Several of these, the people that I'm talking about was on medication because of pain, because of other things. And the side effect of that medication clearly says can cause suicidal thoughts. Yet doctors just push it, push it, push it on people regardless. I don't think either one of these were in their right mind when they made that decision. So many times we look at people who commit suicide and we go, how could they do that? We can't see it. But that's because we're in our right mind. I don't think God would send a believer to hell that died from cancer or heart attack or suicide. If it was, if that was truly the case. So, Pastor, you're saying, man, I'm, I'm not feeling good today. I'm, uh, you know what? I, I, I got bills to pay and my wife's acting ugly. I think I'll just kill myself. Am I going to heaven? Wish I had a coin. I'd flip it. <laughs> I'm not God. I can't judge your actions or why you did what or if you're in your right mind or not. But I think before we just send somebody to hell, we need to know all the facts. And I thank God that he's a good God. And that, you know what, he might not be very happy when you get there. But he'll take care of all of that. And then those people in that glorified state are in their right mind. And I guarantee you they regret it. We just watched the whole thing uh, 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 on people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. There's only been a few who uh, lived to tell about it. And every one of them said the moment that they let go of the rail, they regretted their decision. So sometimes in a moment of, of, of not being in our right mind and all of a sudden realizing, wait a minute, that was the wrong decision. And so, you know what? Um, maybe you, maybe you're here today and you, you, you want to just, okay, I can't believe it. How can you know, maybe, maybe you've never been in that place, but I'm telling you, I've been in a place so da- down, so sad, so discouraged, so hopeless that I've had those thoughts cross my mind. But you know what, as a, as a believer, we, we pray through those and we, we, we rebuke that devil and, and, and thank God we come out of that. But I'm going to tell you something. Depression is real. Sadness is real. Discouragement. And, and, all, and, all, and it comes from the devil. It doesn't come from the Lord. So, I'm not giving you a license. It's not your destiny. It boils down to your people's relationship with God. After that, they're going to stand before God. He's going to weigh out all the facts. And then he's going to make the decision. I just say it's not your destiny today. It's your destiny to live and not die. You can't. It's going to be a better day. And you know what? Let's just stop right now. Let's just pray. Come on, let's just, just bow your head in this house today. Though you're watching, you, you're so sad, you're discouraged, you just wish you could die. I'm telling you, life is worth living. So, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I take authority over every spirit of suicide. That is not our destiny. You will not have our children. You'll not have our young people. You'll not have our fathers and our mothers. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over depression and anxiety and fear that would drive people down to a point that they're not thinking right. They're not in their right mind, but they're overtaken by grief and they act in a way that they would never would in normal circumstances and situations.
But suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Every person regrets it. It's no good comes out. It destroys families and children. But there's hope. There's life for those that there's healing for every heart that's had to deal with that. I speak life into those people, life into those families, life into those spouses, life into those children. Let them go on to be productive. And I break that cycle in their family. They'll not repeat it in Jesus' name. We command joy. We command life to flow through our people. Let us not have one more in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Amen. What happens to babies and children when they die? Well, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching, you've, you've had an abortion. Maybe you've had a miscarriage. We have, I know a number of uh, ladies here uh, in the church that experienced that. My mother uh, experienced that. And the, the, that, that, that's probably the most devastating, heartbreaking, uh, words cannot fix it. It's some of the worst funerals uh, besides suicide that I've had to preach is for an infant, for a stillborn, uh, for a child in an accident. Uh, it, it just, I, I can't imagine. And I am so sorry for your loss. But I want to tell you today, I've got good news for you. You're going to see that baby again. Amen. John chapter 10 verse 10 said the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I come that you have life and have it more abundantly. God did not take your baby. The devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus is a life giver. We do not understand all the circumstances. We don't. We can't judge. We can't. It was this. It was that. I don't know. I just know God will make it right. What the enemy steals, God will make it right. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 15 says, By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he'll be eating yogurt and honey. Now, I don't exactly know how old you need to be to eat yogurt and honey. We What we say... Uh, is we call it the age of accountability. When a person knows right from wrong. And they can choose. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So if you're not old enough, if a child, if a baby is not old enough to know right from wrong... It's not sin. And how would they be held accountable for sin they hadn't committed? Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I don't know. It's what I see. King David, remember that story? His child was sick. He fasted and prayed and did everything he could. The child died and finally uh, he washed. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't sleep. He, wouldn't, he didn't do anything. They were scared to tell him when the child died. They said, what's he going to do now? When he heard the child died, he got up, washed his face, ate, and went to church. They said, we don't understand. He said, while the child was living, there was hope. But now the child has died. I can't. The child can't come back to me, but I can go to the child. Listen, you've got to have hope. You, the child's not coming back to you. But you can prepare yourself for eternity. Get right, as we talked about, and get ready to meet Jesus again. Uh, I, I told you, uh, my mom had a uh, miscarriage before me. Uh, so if you've had mis a miscarriage, don't give up. Uh, you might be like my mama. She's a little bit too old to have me. And uh, when she found out she was pregnant with me, she sat down in the floor and cried. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure glad. I'm glad I came along. And uh, so there, there, there's hope. And God can reward that and bless that. But you know, if, if not... Uh, you're going to see that child. I love this story. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book uh, um, about heaven. You know that book about heaven? Y'all ever read that book about heaven is for real? Uh, that little boy Colton, 
that died. After he came back, it was a while back, he was sitting in the living room and he was playing. And he just stopped playing. He looked at his mom and said, why didn't you tell me we, I had a sister? She's like, what? He's like, yeah. When I was in heaven, I saw my sister and we played together. She had had a miscarriage. She said, well, they've never told any of the children. Nobody knew that. He said, yeah. He said, when I was in heaven, I, God, I, they introduced me and we played together. Wow. I have a brother or sister in heaven. When my mama died, she had to leave my siblings. But she got to go be with their other one. What a joy. What a joy one day that we, we get to be reunited. Uh, remember what, Je- what Jesus teach about children. He said in Matthew 18, Beware that you do not look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Luke 18 said that Jesus called for the children to come. He said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. How do you enter? How does a child do everything? They just have blind faith. If you tell them something, they just believe it. Be careful what you tell your kids. You know, as parents, you know, a lot of times we, we try, we scare our children into submission. Don't, if you do that, so-and-so's going to get you. If you, listen, listen, do not, and I know some of you do, stop using me and Pastor Marcelo and Pastor Elias as a weapon. I know y'all do. Kids act up. I'm going to tell Pastor Samuel. I'm going to, listen, I want, when kids see me, I want them to run to me and be behind. I don't want them to be afraid of me. Don't make, don't, don't, don't make your kids afraid of the police. Don't make your kids afraid uh, uh, about teachers or principals or what. Listen, teach them to respect authority and that they're there to bless them. Stop putting fear on your kids. And uh, have faith as a child. They're innocent. They're pure. And uh, that's what I think. If, if they didn't have the op, but when people, kids get to the opportunity, the point that they know, and it's different for every child. I mean, I, we, we, we have kids, five, six, eight, ten, whatever, you know, realize and go, hey, I heard the story about Jesus. They feel convicted. They, they want to ask Jesus into their heart. They want to be baptized. And they understand. And then you've got some of them that are, that are older. And they've got, they got no concept. They've got no clue. So there's, there's different ages. But God knows. And uh, aren't you glad He's in control? Man, I'm glad God's God and I'm not. Because if I was God, there's a bunch of people I'd make kiss a donkey. But God's merciful. God will give you another chance. Amen. What uh, what what about people that are already in heaven? What do they uh, what do they know about us here on earth? Now, <laughs> I'm probably fixing to make make a bunch of folks mad. I'm just giving you my opinion. Because people's always saying, you know, I know that my mama and my daddy and I know they're, they're, they're looking down and they're watching me and whatever. Dear Lord Jesus, please don't let mama watch me. She'll come all the way back down here and whip me again. Listen, how in the world could it be heaven to them... If they're watching us fussing and whining and going through the trials, having to go to work every day. And listen, that's not heaven. That's, that's, that's rough. So, not, so 
I, there, there's times I think the Lord allows them maybe to, to see. We have had people had dreams about people and they come to them and what, the Lord can allow that if He wants to. But on an everyday basis, I don't think that they're just up there watching every step you take and every move you make and whatever. But do I believe that there are those, uh, that we have a great cloud of witnesses. Let's talk about that just a, bit, a moment. And, and when are they watching? What do they know? What do they see? And, uh, uh, listen, heaven is about spending time with God. Remember we talked about that in the very beginning? If you don't like church, if you don't like worship, uh, you're not going to like heaven very well. Because heaven is about spending time with God. It's about a relationship. And uh, it's more... See, we're here. We're on this physical. We're, everything is about physical. We're hungry. We're tired. We're, listen, and we're not very spiritual minded. But there, in, in that new glorified body, we are spiritually minded. And not carnal minded. So they're not worried about... What they're wearing to work tomorrow and what they're going to eat today after lunch. And some of you are thinking about that right now. Trying to figure out where you're going to go. Where you're going to take me. Out back is good. <laughs> um, so so you know, it's a whole different conscience. But Hebrews 12, let's jump into this real quick. I've got one more question to answer after this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Everybody say, life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that does so easily trip us, trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Well, it's such a great cloud of witnesses, you know this word "cloud" uh, in the Greek uh, "anifos." Uh, it, it, it's, it's like the clouds in the sky. Uh, one word is we look up, we see the clouds in the sky. People think that well, that's heaven where there's people floating around on clouds, and that's not true at all. Uh, most people read that verse and they just they, they think, oh well, you know, there's my ancestors up there in those billowy clouds. And uh, but really, it's the ancient Greek word uh, for for this word for clouds, and it means the highest seat in the bleachers. How many's ever been to a sporting event? Remember when we took a group to the to the hockey game? Remember, and, and we walked in, and then we walked up, up, up. Up, you started getting lightheaded, your nose started bleeding, you know. We were all the way up there at the top. We watched down there and little like little ants skating around. Yeah. But we had all the free hot dogs and the popcorn and the drinks we could get. So we didn't care how high we were. There's a great cloud of witnesses. Is that they had the highest seat in the stadiums. They're up there in the bleachers of heaven cheering us on. But what are they cheering? It said that they're witnesses to the life of faith. Aren't you glad they don't see all your failures? Huh? Yeah. But they do respond and they see when faith is exempted on the earth or exemplified. They, 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 they recognize anointings on people's lives and they're cheering us on. It said to the race that God has set. When you obey God, when you exemplify faith, when you step out on faith, when you do something extraordinary for God, amen, heaven is rejoicing and cheering you on. But listen, they're not watching every day as you're grinding out work and you're, you know, fussing and, you know, you, you, there, there's nobody peering over the, 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 the portals of glory watching you stir your spaghetti. But they are cheering on your actions of faith and praying and believing and you 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 want to get close to those in heaven you you want to have an encounter you 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 want to come in agreement with heaven and earth you know the closest time that we are in proximity to those in heaven how many how many like to know the answer couple of you. All right. I'll tell you. 
It's when we're in worship. When we're in worship. Because in heaven, they're worshiping. In heaven, they're magnifying and glorifying God. And when we, because our natural man don't like to do that. When you worship, they that worship Him must worship in spirit and true. And they're spirit beings worshiping. When you come into the spirit and you worship the Father. And you worship and you sing and you praise. Amen. We are coming close to those witnesses in heaven. And we're joining the heavenly worship. Honoring God. But I'm telling you. When you walk out in this world and start fussing and cussing. You're getting, you're getting far away from them. You're not going to feel heaven in attendance when you're acting all crazy. But when you exemplify a life of faith, when you're stepping out, when you're doing things for God, when you're in worship, amen, you're, you're getting close to those in heaven that are cheering you on. Last question. Will there be marriage in heaven? I go a step further. Will there be sex in heaven? There's a lot of you going, I hope not. But there's a whole, but for the majority of married couples, they're going, oh, I hope, well, I hope so. It's pretty good down here. Why, it sounds like heaven to me. There's a story. In uh, Matthew chapter 22, in verse uh, 24 through 28, uh, basically, uh, teacher Moses said, Hey, uh, if a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child to carry on his brother's name. Okay? So that was just the law. This is how it was done. Uh, your brother died. He, he didn't have any kids. You marry the, the, the wife and, and you carry on, you know, the relationship. Well... The story goes, there were seven brothers. All seven married this woman and all died. I'm thinking, it's not in the story. I'm thinking I'm number two or three. I go. I see how this is going. I ain't going there. But apparently this woman had it going on. She got all seven of them and outlived all of them. You know, it's kind of like the lady. She had uh, she had three husbands. Two died of poison mushrooms. One died of a concussion. They said, what happened? He wouldn't eat his mushrooms. I don't know. This lady outlived all seven husbands. And so here's the question for Jesus. They were always trying to trick Jesus up. So, tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. So, here's the response. You ready for the answer? Matthew 22, verse 30. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Why? Why do you think there will be no marriage in heaven? Cody, I'm sorry I keep stepping on your stuff back there. I know every time I step on it, Cody's cringing. Oh, that's my, that's my stuff right there. Why? Why is there no marriage in heaven? You know why? It's not necessary. Marriage was created for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, it was for companionship. God created Adam, a man, in the garden with all these animals. And he needed somebody to tell him what to do. He needed somebody to tell him when he was lost. He needed somebody 
when he made a mistake to tell him he was wrong. That's not true. It was, it was for companionship. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. And so God created a helpmate. We know the story. He caused Adam to fall into deep sleep. He took out a rib. Adam woke up. He's hungry. He won't barbecue. No, that's not true. Uh, man's like, I don't understand women. And God's like, you were asleep when I made them. It's no, no wonder. But God, the, the basic need that God created was for companionship. Because it's not good for a man to be alone. Number two, uh, God created marriage for reproduction. What did he say? He created man. He gave him, he performed the first wedding. He said, be fruitful and multiply. 31 years, we've been doing our best to fulfill that scripture as much as possible. Not one amen. Everybody went, God created marriage. God created sex. It's wonderful, it, 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 but it's for here. We're natural beings with natural cravings. In heaven, we will be spiritual beings. There will be no need for that companionship, no need for reproduction. Uh, now, will we know each other? I hope so. I hope I know you. I hope I live on the same block at least. She probably won't let me live with her. She'd be like, that would be hell. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. Live down the street. I'll visit you when I want to. <laughs> no. uh, there's a whole lot not in my notes. I apologize. It's just one of those days. In heaven... There will be a marriage, though. In heaven, there's just going to be one marriage. What is it? Revelations chapter 19, verse number 6 through 9. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, of the roar of the mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to Him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride is, has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said unto me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding Feast of the Lamb. There's going to be one marriage in heaven. He is the bridegroom. And we, the church of Jesus Christ, the saints, those who have put our trust in Him, we are the bride of Christ. And the bridegroom is coming back to get His bride. Jesus is coming soon. And He said, let us be as a bride prepared. Let us be ready. Now listen, my daughter's here today, always good to see my baby girl. And uh, we're getting ready for her second wedding. Now, let me make it clear, she's marrying the same man. Her first wedding was set for March and April some time ago. And uh, coronavirus hit. We were restricted. We couldn't. We were going to have a big tent. We were going to be out in the field. We were going to have a big wedding. We already bought all the stuff. Everything's bought and done. And then the wedding was canceled. So, they had already purchased a house. And so, we just got together. We did a little ceremony with the family. We married them. They're married in the sight of God in the state of Texas. But we're going to do their big wedding like we had planned uh, here next Saturday, two weeks, two weeks Saturday here at the church, three o'clock. And uh, so we're, we're excited. 
We're excited, but you, can I tell you something? There's a lot of preparation. We're preparing. She's preparing to walk down the aisle. What preparations are you making to meet your heavenly bridegroom? You see, in, in, the, in, in, uh, in the olden days, <laughs> uh, back in the time of Jesus... Remember Mary, Jesus' his mama, was engaged, betrothed, espoused to a man named Joseph? See, it's, it's different than our engagement, dating. They were really married by their standards. But they had not, after all that, they went through all the ceremony and all the stuff, then the bridegroom would go away to prepare a place for the bride. He would go work on the house. He would go build. He would go remodel. He would, whatever where they were going to live, he would get it ready. And when it was finished, and she didn't always know when. You say, why? Well, let me ask you. Has anyone ever done a remodel on your house? Do you actually know how long it's going to take? And you think you're going to be finished and stuff keeps coming up. And then your wife keeps changing her mind and adding stuff. So really you don't know how long these things are going to take. People tell you, how, I'm going to build a house. How long? Three months. Nine months later, you're still waiting. Why? Rain. People couldn't get to you. Things happen, Okay. Same way back then. So they didn't exactly know when the bridegroom was coming. But when the bridegroom showed up, the bride had to be ready. She had to have everything ready. When he showed up, it was daytime, nighttime. She had to be ready to go. That, thus the parable. The ten virgins. They were all ten virgins. Five wise, five foolish. Why? Five kept oil in their lamp. They kept ready. They kept prepared. Five let the oil run out of their lamp. They didn't keep the tr wick trimmed. And it said at midnight the bridegroom came. They said, oh, give me some oil. They said, no, no, go get your own. But while they went to get some, the bridegroom came and they were left behind. Listen, let's be wise. Let's make sure our oil is full. Our lamps are full. Let's make sure we're ready. We do not know when the bridegroom is coming. But the Bible says, in the, that moment, a trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there's going to be a great marriage feast. And I want to be invited. I want to be ready. I want to wear a white robe. I want to be the bride of Christ. So no, it's not going to be like it is down here, but it's going to be wonderful. It's hard to... We go, I don't understand it all. I think this is pretty good, but... Oh, I have not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Here's the question. Do you love him? Now listen. I could be wrong. On a lot of things. But I know I'm not wrong on this one thing. If you don't know Jesus. As your Lord and Savior. And you've not committed your life to Christ. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And come into your heart. You cannot go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. So I'm here to ask you today, do you know Him? Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for the afterlife? Now, here's what I hope, okay? Here's what I hope. I hope I'm going to live a long time. Okay? I, I want to be like 90, 100, something like that. I don't, I don't care. Hope I live to be old. Okay? I, I, I want to have a lot of grandbabies. 
I want to spoil them rotten. I, I want to go on a lot more vacations. I want to have a lot more fun with my wife. But I want to be ready for the afterlife and for eternity if I die today. See, you need to plan like you're going to be here for another hundred years. You need to save your money. You need to get prepared for trouble. You, you need to stock up a little groceries, get you some extra toilet paper because all the craziness going on in the world. But you need to go to work and pay your bills. See, do you know why Jesus won't tell us exactly when he's coming? I'll tell you why. Because he knows you. He knows me. See, if, if Jesus said, I'm coming January 2021. Okay? Here's what's going to happen. For the next six months, I'm going to go buy me the biggest boat. I'm buying me a new... Uh, uh, F-250. Uh, I, I, I'm fixing to have some fun. I ain't paying a bill. Airy nary one. <laughs> now, I'm going to get all the notices in the mail. Not paying no credit card debt. I'm racking up everything. I'm going to have fun. Ain't going to work a day. And guess what? January 1st, Jesus comes. I'm out of here. Y'all, whoever's left stuck with the bills. See, Jesus knows you. And he's like, I'm not telling them when I'm coming that way. They got to live every day and they got to take care of their business. But you know what? So prepare, save, get ready for retirement. But make sure that you're ready today. Because Jesus might not come today, but he might come for you today. You may... Not survive the rest of the day. You may have a heart attack. You may go out and have an accident. You might choke on your chicken at lunch. I don't know. All I know. Is if I do. Come on to church. Have a great celebration. Say he's in heaven. Praise the Lord. And don't worry about me. I'm good. Okay. But. Are you. Live your life. So that I can get up at your funeral and say without a shadow of a doubt, I know they're in heaven because their life reflected their love for Christ. Amen. If you're not ready, get ready today. Pray with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you. For your son. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. And thank you you're coming again one day. I want to be ready. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to procrastinate. I want to make sure. Today. I'm ready. For the afterlife. Hell is not my destiny. Heaven is my destiny. So today, I make my reservation through Christ Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Let me live my life. Pleasing to you. An example to others. Of my relationship with you. But let me be ready today. To stand before you. And hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joys of the Lord. 
Father, today I just declare every person that made that declaration, that accepted you, that repented of their sins. I pray someday we will all hear those words. Lord, don't let one of our loved ones, one of our friends, one of our family members hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Father, help us do our part to win the lost, to share the love of Jesus. Help us do our part to get as many people ready for your coming. Father, we ask you to bless our country, bless our nation. You see all the unrest. Father, let us come together in unity and love, loving one another, praying for our country. We say, God bless America. So, Lord, let us live every day like it's our last. Do in your will. In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen.